0: Hello friends, welcome to the ATC Double Cut. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about a trip that I took to Japan, to the central and eastern parts of Japan during the last week of March. And I will share with you some of the things that I learned on that trip that I think are applicable, not just to turf grass management in the springtime, not just to turf grass management in Japan, but actually applicable to any kind of turfgrass management at any time of the year all over the world. This is something that I think is very interesting and I hope that I can explain to you in a way that makes sense to you and you can learn a few things and maybe you will be curious enough to go to the ADC website and check out this particular post. The post has a title of Springtime Golf Course Maintenance in Japan i know that sometimes the posts that i do that are about turfgrass management in a different part of the world from where you are sometimes they they don't get a lot of views now i know there are people out there who find this stuff interesting and they will check out these posts and be curious about turfgrass management in another part of the world but for other people they think I, i i suppose they think that it's just not applicable to what they are doing so i will talk about this and try to describe why i think this one in particular would be applicable to what you are doing wherever you are at before i do that though i want to show something that you will see now that's new on the atc website i changed the start menu at the very top and at the top of the page if if you're on mobile you will see one of those ladder type of menus that you can click to pull up these um these headings, but I added a podcast heading so you can go directly to the podcast heading. If you're on a computer, you can hover over that and it'll bring up either a direct link to the ATC Double Cut or to the ATC Office Hours show. And if you are on mobile, you can click on that ladder menu and that will expand and bring up the same headings. And I also added a soil test heading. You could have found or navigated to all of the soil test information on the ATC website um, through other means, but it wasn't all summarized in one menu heading. So now under soil tests there are three specific topics. There is the MLSM page, the OM246 page for total organic material testing by depth, and there are also, there's also a tab for soil tests and other lab services because I have more and more soil testing clients who are doing OM246 testing and who are doing soil nutrient testing or soil physical analyses or irrigation water testing or other specialized type of tests. So you can find all of that information now right on a single tab. And then I did have a tab that was projects, but I've now put projects under a larger research tab and I've moved the library, which is a list of articles that you can read, I moved those under the research tab. So there's three new uh, menu headings or tabs, podcasts, soil tests, and research. Under research, you can find library, which is reading material and some of the technical information, and then also a projects tab. This is at my website, uh, asianturfgrass.com that has all kinds of information about useful turfgrass things. So I hope if you haven't checked that out already, you will. And I hope you'll be a regular visitor to the ATC website because I'm always posting new information. And that information often goes on the blog. And the, the blog post that's getting the ATC double cut treatment today is the one I'm going to bring up now. It has a title of springtime golf course maintenance in Japan. And it Um, this is a post that I will put a direct link to in the video description and a direct link to in the podcast show notes. So you will be able to go directly to this and see some of the many photos. I think there are about a dozen photos that I put in here. And I think they're worthwhile having a look at because they have a lot of pretty cherry blossoms, which are very common on golf courses in Japan in the springtime. And I was very happy to be able to be in japan during the last week of march this year and it reminded me when i was planning that trip i knew that there would be a lot of trees with their springtime flowers blooming and from past trips that i've taken to japan i knew that that would be a wonderful time to go out and visit golf courses and i decided to make this post because on my facebook feed There was a picture that popped up from March 20 of 2001. And on March 20 of 2001, I was a golf course superintendent. I was a golf course superintendent in Japan at Habu Country Club. And that's what that picture is of. And it's a picture of the 18th hole looking backwards. So it was standing up near the clubhouse, looking down at a creeping bentgrass putting green, looking down at the overseeded... Tifway 419 fairway that was overseeded with perennial ryegrass snaking away past a pond and in between some hills that are covered in a golden dormant grass which is noshiba or Zoysia Japonica. So in March, the ryegrass was green, the Pencross creeping bent grass on the green was green and the Zoysia Japonica rough was not green. It was still dormant. And I remembered on march 20 that the winter had been very busy with golf and i learned something that winter i've talked about it many times uh in writing i've I've written about it many times on the atc website you've probably heard me talk about it if you're a regular listener of the snow and that is uh, sorry (laughs) if you are a regular listener to this show you've probably heard me talk about frost playing golf in frost and snow and that's what the next picture is because it reminded me of another springtime picture from japan that was 11 days later in 2001 it was snowing on that 18th hole at habu country club and the uh the golf course was closed that day but the interesting thing that i learned that winter is you can put a lot of traffic on frosted turf and it doesn't get damaged nearly as much as I thought it would. And in fact, we did thousands of rounds that winter, the winter of 2000 and 2001. And I was adamant in late autumn that we should not be putting traffic on frosted turf. I'd never seen that before. Everywhere that I'd ever worked before had... Had a frost delay so there was no golfer traffic on frosted turf and when i tried to implement frost delays that autumn my first autumn being a golf course superintendent in japan i was informed that frost delays were not really a thing and that you needed to allow the golfers to play at their scheduled tee time so that's what happened. And that picture that I showed earlier of what the grass looks like on March 20, after so much traffic that was played on frosted turf, it just reminded me of what I had learned that winter. And uh, it's something that I wanted to share. So anyway, that that was like the pictures from 22, 23 years ago. And now for the pictures from this year, which I'm going to scroll through some of the beautiful uh, cherry blossom pictures, and then I'm going to get to the point that, as I mentioned earlier, there's something that's actually applicable for everybody everywhere in the world related to the way golf courses are managed in Japan generally. There are um, just so many cherry trees in Japan. And and when you go there during cherry blossom season, which is one of the most popular tourist seasons, it's pretty much guaranteed that you are going to see a lot of uh, planted landscaping, uh, like directly designed to be seen and planted in a certain location cherry trees and then there's also wild cherry trees growing in the mountains and those are called yamazakura and those uh those trees are are evident when you get out into the countryside because a lot of golf courses in japan are built in the mountains what you find is the flat land is generally reserved for agriculture or it has cities that have been built on it and so uh you you can find some very old golf courses on relatively flat land that is near cities but it's more common to drive from a city and go up into the mountains and find the golf courses built in the mountains and when you do that you drive past these beautiful mountains that in the springtime have all of these yamazakura blooming And it's really cool to see that. And then when you're on the golf course, you can also see these mountain cherries, the wild cherries growing and and blooming. So um, I guess a couple of things, this is going to be related to nitrogen rate, and it's going to be related to core aerification and sand top dressing or cultivation. It is really common in Japan in March to do core aerification and sand top dressing. I, I think that's almost universal in that almost every golf course tends to do that in that season. Now, there's there's some courses that don't do core aerification. They will just do solid tine aerification, but it's still common to do that in March. And there's two ways of doing this. Let's consider the core aerification which would be the most common. It's common in Japan to do core airification with the tines spaced at about uh, two inches apart. So you you would have tines on like five by five centimeter spacing or two inch by two inch spacing, generally using a tine that's gonna be about 10 millimeters or 12 millimeters, something about three eighths of an inch, maximum of a half inch in the springtime. So that's a pretty wide spacing. Sometimes it's on spacing up to seven centimeters, uh, maybe like a a two-inch by uh, three-inch type of spacing. So it's coring, but it's not so many holes spaced tightly together, and it's not really big tines, and it tends to be a surface area impact of something like 2% or 3%. And I always looked at that and thought, you really should be doing more. If you're going to mess up the greens with core verification and you're going to cause that disruption that's going to disrupt the greens for two or three or four weeks or something, uh, you might as well put a lot more holes. But that's just not really the way that it's done in Japan. And it is uncommon to see spacing of... Core aerification holes any closer than two inches by two inches, and it's uncommon to use tines that are any larger than a half inch, and uh, so so you tend to get not very much surface area impact. But it's it's common to see that in the spring. And then the other thing that you might notice, courses that have the two green system will always have one green that's perfect, and another green that they can close and they can do the core airification, then after it's recovered, which might be five weeks or six weeks later, then they will uh, switch to the green that had been in play, do the core airification there, and play on the green, on the second green that had already been airified and then recovered. People think of the two-green system in Japan as being something that is with a winter grass and a summer grass with one grass used to tolerate the hot weather and another grass being used in the cold weather but that's not really the case these days it's it's most common if courses do have the two green system what's most common is to have two bent grass greens and it's more of a customer service type thing so you can always be playing golf on greens that are perfect because any cultivation work, any disruptive maintenance work can be done on one green and keeping the green that's in perfect condition in play. And there's also sand top dressing generally applied to greens uh, in the springtime. So you'll see in March, a lot of greens have some type of cultivation, some type of sand top dressing. Japan has really high quality machines for spreading the sand top dressing with really nice... uh, flotation tires, and they don't really leave very many marks. And you've you've seen many of the videos that I've shown of the sweepers that are used on golf courses in Japan to clean up the cores. And uh, I think Japan golf course maintenance equipment for any type of core aerification and cleaning of the cores and then spreading the sand afterwards is really pretty good for doing that job quickly doing that job with a very even spread of sand or a very clean uh, picking up of the course and i quite like that equipment and I've, i've been glad to see that some golf courses around the world are using that type of equipment i showed a picture of a course that does have a two green system and the the picture that i'm showing now shows compost that had been spread all over the green and that compost is going to take a while to break down and work in but there's a big closed sign that sits right at the front of the green and there's another green which is in the left of this image and that's the green that is in play and so you can you can do all kinds of work when you have the luxury of having two greens although um you now have, if you've got two bent grass greens, now for an 18-hole golf course, you've got 36 greens, not counting the practice greens that you get to take care of. So it's uh, a double-edged sword. It might be good in some cases, but it, it can be more work in others. And I, I wanted to bring up This picture and talk about nitrogen rate a little bit i'm showing a picture now uh of a view from a t on a par 4 hole and it's looking down at a zoysia matrella fairway or korai as that grass is called in japan and there are a lot of cherry trees with the blossoms blooming and there's some mountain uh cherries grow uh in the hill behind blooming and the zoysia japonica rough the noshiba rough is not green yet the korai fairway is Partially green. And then there's a bank grass green. That's a base of Crenshaw bank grass at this golf course. And then it's been interseeded with a little bit of 007 and, and some other varieties, I think, over the years. But that was originally planted in the 1990s to Crenshaw. And that grass, in and this picture was taken in late March of 2023. That grass on the green is very bright green and and looks very healthy and what surprised me when i asked the green keeper at this golf course golf course superintendents in japan typically uh go by the job title of green keeper and so i asked the green keeper what the nitrogen rate was last year and he said six or seven grams so six grams is 1.2 pounds per thousand square feet and so that's grams per square meter it's it's nice to use grams because you don't have to use uh, if you would use grams per square meter you don't have a complicated denominator and you don't have to use decimal points very often you can just say it was six or seven or eight so you're often dealing with integer values on a scale of zero to 100 <laughs> or in the range of zero to 100 which are convenient numbers to work with and so i like Uh, for talking about fertilizer rates to talk about grams per square meter as the base unit. Anyway, he said six or seven grams per square meter, and that would be 1.2 or 1.4 pounds per thousand square feet of nitrogen, which in this climate is relatively low. That is a relatively low amount of nitrogen if you compare to what is typical in other parts of the world in similar climates. And this is something that, is going to be related to the relatively light sand top dressing and the relatively little amount of core aerification surface area impact that was done in March. There were 45,000 rounds of golf on this golf course in 2022, last year. And there had already been 9,400 rounds played in 2023. There were 3,000 rounds in January. 2,800 in February and 3,600 rounds in March. But the nitrogen applied to greens this year so far, that that had only been 0.46 grams per meter squared. I left that with the 0.46 grams per meter squared because I figure that people can guess what product was used it it was urea urea was used urea is 46 percent nitrogen there were two applications each at 0.23 grams so they put uh put urea out twice this year that's less than one tenth of a pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet so far in 2023 so for 9400 rounds they put out less than a tenth of a pound of nitrogen and that was enough to produce excellent surfaces that was we getting a lot of traffic and remember last year those greens got i rounded up the superintendent the greenkeeper uh or superintendent he told me that the greens got six or seven gram grams of nitrogen i rounded up and just said in the post i said that it was seven grams of nitrogen per square meter or 1.4 pounds of nitrogen per thousand square feet if you would have asked me 10 years ago But certainly if you would have asked me 20 years ago, I would have said that was probably half or um, maybe one third of the amount that you should have applied. I would have thought for this climate that you should apply 15 grams, uh, which would be about three pounds of nitrogen, up to about 20 grams or four pounds of nitrogen. That's what I would have thought 20 years ago. 10 years ago, I would have been closer to maybe... uh, I wouldn't even have gone as low as 10 back then. Uh, 10 years ago, I think I would have said something like 15 grams. Maybe if you want to push it, go down to like 12, uh, which would be 2.4, 2.4 pounds per thousand square feet, because this is a relatively busy golf course. It's doing 45,000 rounds. It gets play year round, even when the grass is not growing, and this is a very hot climate. So you're getting a lot of growth because of the temperatures in the summer and you're mowing off a lot of clippings. And I just would have thought that you couldn't produce a turf that could maintain density and turf that could withstand all of that traffic while still maintaining enough density to fully cover the ground, I would not have thought that you could do that with only 7 grams of nitrogen per square meter. And I wouldn't have thought that you could do it and then do 9,400 rounds in the winter on Jan- in January, February, and March and do that with only an extra one-tenth of a pound. But I keep seeing this, and I make lots of trips to various countries around the world different climates around the world and see how the grass grows and i see um i see grass growing in so many different places and producing excellent turf grass surfaces and i ask how much nitrogen is used and i ask how much the grass grows and i find that it there are a lot of people out there who are getting excellent results with what i would have thought in the past it would have been too much night Sorry, too little nitrogen. I would have thought that you would have needed to put more. So what I kind of put together or what I combine in my mind is what I've seen in Japan where people are putting relatively low amounts of nitrogen, but they're also doing relatively little core aerification compared to what is more typical in the United States where we've had this idea that we should be doing five ten fifteen twenty percent of the surface area being impacted and you know removing the old material putting fresh sand on perhaps ten percent of the green area uh, probably something closer to twenty percent of the green area on an annual basis and so in america it's been common to try to get closer and closer time spacing and to use various uh various types of techniques to get more and more surface area disruption. Now, whether that is frequent, almost constant, like monthly or something, uh, aerification with really small tines, something like a 4 millimeter diameter hollow tine, or whether that is two or three intensive aerifications with larger tines and closer spacing, or whether that is using the dry jack to put even more sand into the profile, that tends to be the American way to manage, to try to put more and more sand and to do more and more surface area disruption. And it's been interesting to me to see in Japan that when the greens are aerified, they're generally, it's generally done in a non, uh, I would have said it's a non-intensive way. I used to take pictures Uh, 15 or 20 years ago, of how far apart the holes were. And I would do consulting on these courses, on on some courses, and I would say, you're not putting the the holes close enough together. Can you not adjust the setting on your airifier? So instead of these tine holes, instead of these airification holes being 7 centimeters apart, almost Almost three inches apart in one direction and two inches apart in the other direction, or five centimeters. I'm like, this is this is only affecting 1.7 percent of the surface area, or, or or something like that. So I'm, I would say in the reports, and I would show this picture of the ruler I carried around with me, uh, and a, a picture of that, just showing how far apart the holes were, and I'd say, please, uh, change it, make them closer, make more holes, do more disruption the greens will be better. But what I've seen is the greens perform pretty well whether you do that type of intensive and disruptive aerification and cultivation or or whether you don't do it. And I think part of it has to do with the relatively low nitrogen rates that are used and then the grass just kind of creeps along and and it, it, it does pretty good. So this is something that I think a lot of people are are trying now or, or are doing and, and have had good success with it around the world. And um, it, it's something that was certainly a learning experience for me as I saw how that was done in Japan. So that is something that I wanted to share and uh, you can read about it and see more pictures. You can see that in that post about springtime maintenance on golf courses in japan you can read about that and check those details and see if you find that those types of nitrogen rates uh, are reasonable or maybe you think that they are absurdly low and would never work where you are i uh i don't know i i don't really know the answer but it's something that i find interesting and uh, i i like to share that with with people that i talk with and As I've said many times, uh, I don't know that I've done a blog post that that, uh, spells it out. Probably I I write a lot and I don't remember (laughs) all of them, Um, but maybe there's been an ATC double cut where I have talked about this or a um, or a blog post where I've written it. But basically, uh, I want people to try to do a site specific plan for what is necessary at their facility and the way that i recommend right now to do that is to measure the playability so that you know what type of playing surfaces are being produced and then measure the total organic material in the soil the om246 which is the total organic material in the soil and how that changes over time so measure that once a year and see how that is changing so that's basically a direct measure of thatch if you if you want to call it that it's a direct measurement of thatch and it's a direct measurement of the effect of your sand top dressing and it's a direct measurement of how much organic matter accumulation you have and how much organic matter decomposition you have so i recommend doing om246 and i also recommend keeping track of how much sand you apply How much nitrogen you apply and if you can uh if if you do keep a record of how much clipping volume you you have specifically we will be looking at the cumulative clipping volume or the sum of clipping volume over a season so you're looking at the total amount of above ground clippings which you get from clipping volume you're looking at the change in organic material in the soil over time and you're looking at how much nitrogen you put to achieve that and how much sand you put to achieve that and all the while you're keeping track of playability so basically everybody knows how much sand they put or they can figure it out everybody knows how much nitrogen they put or they can figure it out everybody has some idea of playability i just encourage you to record that so that you can check what it is at least on a weekly basis and if you can then measure the organic material over time and if you can measure You don't have to measure the clipping volume but a lot of people find it useful um and in and this is another thing that it it is useful for um is is to understand a bit more about how much top dressing you may need but um those are like four things you measure about the grass and soil the and it's not really even measure like nitrogen you just keep track of it sand you just keep track of it Uh, you do a soil test once a year for om246 and maybe you measure the clipping volume. So those are those four things. Then keep track of the playability. If you do all of those things, um, which is, it's not too much of a leap to do all of those things. I think it's quite reasonable to be able to do all of those things. And when you have that information, you can then know on a site specific basis, whether for your soil, your grass, the amount of traffic that you have at your facility and the growing environment that you're in, if you might need to put more sand and do more cultivation, or if you might be able to do less, and you can just constantly work on those things to optimize the playability and to optimize the the grass conditions. So that's something that I think is uh, is universal. it's It's not related only to springtime maintenance of golf courses in japan but i hope if you read that post now you'll understand some of that background information about why i was writing it why i wanted to discuss that particular topic and uh and and why i have been influenced by that because Uh, I used to recommend something different than what I saw and now I go and see that kind of thing and I think wow you're doing a great job keep it up and I would like to go back and check that course in the summer and uh, check a lot of courses in the summer in the autumn in the winter and uh, continue learning and then continuing uh, the lucky chance that I have to be able to share this information with so many people around the world thank you for listening and I will sign off and be back again soon with another episode for ATC, from Yantikau, Thailand, after a long time away, I am Micah Woods.